This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 671 of the Dressage Radio Show, official podcast of the United States Dressage Federation on the Horse Radio Network, brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products and Trust Design. On this week's show, we've got the pleasure of interviewing para-Olympian Kate Shoemaker. After that, friend of the show, Ellie Brimmer, tells us all about her experience looking for a horse. And then Anna Buffini gives us a great trainer tip. Reese Koppler Stanfield from Georgetown, Kentucky. And this is Philip Parks from Rockwood, Ontario, and you're listening to the Dressage Radio Show. Well, hi, Phil. How are you? I'm doing okay. Just having some internet connection <laughs> issues tonight, which is a little frustrating. I, I'm just kind of wondering in my head if it has something to do with that storm that came through or, or something like that. I, I mean, usually my internet is pretty good. Yeah, you usually have really good internet, and I hope um, everyone is safe. So we're actually recording this show a, almost a week and a half earlier than we normally would, uh, because you and I have some really busy weeks. Last week was my big horse show, a local horse show, uh, and it's it was recognized, and you have this week your big horse show. So we're recording everything in one night. So when the internet is not helpful, it is a little frustrating. <laughs> it's, it's challenging. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. Technical issues are challenging and, um, you know, Lord knows we've, we, we've had uh, our fair share of, of those over the years, but, uh, you know, somehow know. you just, you learn to power through and, and carry on. You know, that is one thing I would say, everyone asks, like, what have you learned over your time podcasting? And I think one of the things we've learned is just, you kind of just have to let that roll off. And because we don't want you guys to know what our technical difficulties are. Um, but sometimes it's really frustrating and you kind of have to just laugh and rock on with it. Yeah, I guess. I mean, that's life in general and for sure horse riding. And I think, you know, th this week we're having kind of a difficult test, but we're going to make the best of it and we're, we're going to carry on and, and we're going to we're going to finish the test and we're not going to quit <laughs> halfway through stuff like that, you know? <laughs> well, we can't. Yeah, we can't. So uh, exactly. I think just this things to think about as you're getting ready for your show, for sure. You've got you've got a lot of youngsters going to the show, don't you? Well, they're not really young, but they're they're entered into the young horse precinct George class. So they're, I mean, I got three horses that are nine and they're all they're all kind of at the same level now, which is good. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, good, good luck to the show organizers to, yeah. to <laughs> that'll be challenging for them. And I appreciate all that they have to do to kind of you know, get me ride times that are further far enough apart. Yeah. And I mean, you only have to learn one test, so that's actually helpful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's you know, helpful. you can visualize just just uh, change a visualization per horse. But no, we wish you all the best and your students. Great luck. Uh, you guys really have in the last couple of years, haven't really been able to get in the ring as much as you normally do. And you already have a shortened season. So, um, yeah, the, we wish yeah you there's, there's and, been challenges, but, uh, yeah, we've got about six shows that we plan to hit and, and, and uh, that we have lined up as possible entries. And, and, and that, and that's a, that's a pretty good season, um, yeah. you know, for us. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're excited and we're just looking forward to getting, to getting it underway basically. 
I love it. Well, uh, we really have a great show for everybody. So we're going to get get the party started. I think you guys are all going to really enjoy Kate Schumacher. She was wonderful. And um, we hope you really enjoy her interview. But we're going to have a quick commercial break from Kentucky Performance Products and get right into it. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. Commercial feeds are fortified with nutrients such as proteins, vitamins, and minerals. They are made up of a variety of ingredients that provide a particular amount of energy. Most feeds have been designed to address the needs of a certain type of horse. It is important to understand that all feeds are formulated by nutritionists to be fed in specific amounts. When the correct amount of feed is provided, the horse consumes the appropriate amount of energy and nutrients. The feeding directions included on the feed bag or the feed tag are specific to the particular feed and should be followed. When you feed less than the recommended amount of feed, your horse is not getting the full complement of nutrients that he or she may need. On the other hand, too much of a good thing can also be bad. The overfeeding of concentrates can lead to grain overload and oversupplementation, and feed should never be cut or mixed with other fortified feeds or plain grains because this changes the nutrient profile and can cause imbalances in energy, protein, vitamins, and minerals. If you need to include additional supplements in your horse's diet, choose products that are formulated to complement, not compete with fortified feeds. If you feed a plain grain such as oats, additional fortification may be necessary. Kentucky Performance Products supplements are specifically designed to complement, not compete with the modern concentrates used by today's horse owners. Each supplement is manufactured to exacting standards in certified facilities using stringent quality control guidelines. So choose Kentucky Performance Product Supplements because the horse that matters to you matters to them. Learn more about Kentucky Performance Product Supplements at kppusa.com. That's kppusa.com. This Nutritional Minute has been brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products. You can find all of their terrific products at kppusa.com. Well, tonight is really an honor, and I'm so excited to have Kate Shoemaker. She's an equine veterinarian, para-dressage world, and Paralympic medalist. Kate, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's such an honor to be on. Well, I'm not going to lie. I always get a little nervous when um, one of our guests has a Wikipedia page. So I am thrilled to have you on. <laughs> I did it. Oh, I had a Wikipedia page. Yeah. So I was going to have to check that out. I know. So it's so, for us, it's always really fun. So we love it. And we're <laughs> thrilled to have you on. So Kate, tell us a little bit about you. yourself. Oh, Wow, where to begin? I mean, <laughs> I just feel like I I'm just living life day to day, and and I do my thing. And uh, but yeah, I guess if I actually have to sum it up, um, you know, I I start my days as a, a horse trainer and a competitor, and then I switch to my veterinarian hat, uh, and then I, oftentimes I'll switch back to a coaching hat um, before maybe becoming a veterinarian again, and then uh, coming home and and falling into bed with my dog and starting all over again the next day. So um, I always say I have two full-time jobs. I'm a writer and I'm a veterinarian. And, and honestly, I, 
couldn't have it any other way because I, I love the horses. I mean, it is truly what I have always wanted since I was a little girl, just to be surrounded by horses endlessly, um, maybe to a fault, but I wouldn't have it any other way. So tell us a little bit about how you got maybe started riding or started riding dressage specifically, you know, what, what is the, what is your story of, of the journey to well, the world championships or the, or the Olympic Paralympics? Yeah. So I kind of feel like I was like every other little girl just saying, can I have a pony? Can I please have a pony? Pretty please. Like, what do I need to do for a pony? You know? And so like, I have to admit, I don't even think I got briar ponies. Like they, they knew that was maybe a gateway to something bad. So <laughs> maybe an occasional stuffed animal horse. <laughs> and you know, when, when I was like 13, 14, my parents were like, Oh goodness, maybe this is, maybe this is not a phase. Maybe she really wants to do horses. So, you know, let's give this a try. And, and my, my dear parents, this ended up being a blessing in the end, but they didn't know that you could just put your child in riding lessons and they could just go to the barn once a week. So they got me a horse for Christmas. Yeah. And so fortunately for me, I ended up at a barn called Once Upon a Horse in Eagle, Idaho, where the the horse that we were buying was at. And she looked at me and she looked at my parents and she said, okay, so she has to be in a lesson every time she's on the horse. She doesn't know what she's doing. Like, this is how this is going to work. And that ended up being the best thing possible because I was started in dressage lessons from day one. And, you know, my parents, not knowing any difference, said, yep, okay, we understand this is what we got to do. And then of course I was surrounded by people who were showing and had goals going to young riders, going to regional championships and everything. And personally I wanted to jump because jumping is fun. And that's what I had read in all of the horse books as I was growing up. So, so they let me jump and I did, I did my eventing even though I was at a dressage barn, but I always come back to that core, uh, that my foundation was in the dressage training and I am so incredibly thankful for that. You know, you don't know what you don't know in the beginning. So to be able to look back and say that I had really good people looking out for me uh, is incredibly special. So, you know, that was, that was the start of my journey. And, you know, my family have always been so incredibly supportive. I think they could see what a drive that I had for it and, always made sacrifices so that, you know, I would have a horse available and that was, you know, I can look back on it and say, wow, they, they really, really did that for me. And it was amazing. And I'm so fortunate. Well, Kate, one of the things I love what you just said was that you had such an incredibly good start. And I think that's so important for all parents. Wouldn't you say, I mean, you're an Olympian now and to be able to look back and say how you had a quality start and really good people. And I think as you're, as anyone starting their journey, that starts important when you say. I think that is the single most important thing. If I look back on anything that we did right or wrong, that that is the one thing that if that wasn't there, I wouldn't be where I am today, period, end of story. And in fact, it, it means so much to me that um, there is an award uh, given to your coach and after you earn a Paralympic medal. And so I actually requested that that coaching award be given to my first trainer, who is my trainer, you know, for that first decade. Um, And so I'm going to cry, but it was like, 
it, it really meant so much to me, everything that they did for me and taught me. And even when I was begging to move up and, you know, wanted to do this and do that, that they always said, you have to do it right first. You know, you have to do this. You're going to learn this. And, you know, looking back on that, they were so right. And because of that, I can do what I do today. And so that's why for me to be able to, I actually had to name one, one person. So Ernst Herman is the person I named for the award, but really it's Ernst and Janet Herman uh, it, um, previously from Eagle, Idaho, who, you know, if it weren't for them, I would not have gone to Tokyo. And so because of that, I felt like they uh, earned and deserved the, the coaching medal that, that I named them for. Wow. I actually didn't know that. And that gave me chills because I think that's so incredibly important for people to know. And, and as you're starting your journey with horses, if you start incorrectly or don't have the right person, it's hard, it's hard to get to where you are. It's even harder because your body has to learn all new things. So that's, that's amazing. So how did vet school come in? I think this is so cool. I mean, you're, I, I, I think school is so important and so many writers and, and kids forget that. And, and how did that come in? I mean, that's huge. So let me just be clear that what I really wanted to be in life was an astronaut. Okay. But I was <laughs> never going to pass the physical requirements to go into space. So uh, maybe I'll have good luck in the future as this whole uh, commercial space thing starts. But, uh, but yeah, I realized astronaut was off the table and I actually thought um, at a couple of points in time that veterinarian was off the table as well. And it was actually one of my mentors. I believe I was on the verge of tears in his office being like, you know, what if I can't do it? What if, what if I can't do whatever it is? I couldn't even think of what it would be, but I'm like, I'm like, I had this incredible fear that like people would find out that I have these physical weaknesses and, and they wouldn't want me to be their vet or I wouldn't make it through school. I had a terrible fear that they would like not let me through school um, because they would find out I couldn't do certain things. Uh, And, and of course that, that fear turned out to be uh, based in, in nothing. Uh, Yes. Okay. I maybe had a couple of struggles that other people didn't have, but, but my mentor on that day made a great point that if you can't do something, you, you just find another way. There's no ifs and buts about it. You know, this is just life and you don't let things like this hold you back. If you want to do something, just find a way to do it. And for me, I wanted to be a veterinarian and, you know, I had the full support of people around me and I just never looked back, you know, and it's so interesting that equine in specific, you know, they say, they always tell you in vet school often that like, oh, you'll switch to small animal. I mean, they told me that constantly, maybe they don't tell everyone that, but, you know, and I said, honestly, I'm getting into this to be a horse vet. And if there's a point where I can't be an equine vet, I will just do something else. So, you know, just truly my passion is wrapped around the horses and my love of the science and the athlete and the connection that the horse has with the rider. You know, it's unexplainable how we can bring all these things together. And I get to be that little extra piece of the puzzle in somebody's journey. And it just brings me so much joy. So, Kate, uh, maybe you can tell all of our listeners about your physical limitations and, and how that affects you during during riding. Yeah, for sure. So uh, when I was born, I was eight weeks early, which meant my school was much softer than it was supposed to be at birth. So 
essentially my brain got a little bit squished. Um, and because of that, I have a condition called periventricular leukomalacia. Uh, a much simpler way of saying that is softening of the white matter in a specific area of the brain. Uh, so what so what that does, it has created a progressive weakness that occurs mostly on my right side, um, so much so that below my right knee, I have almost complete paralysis. I only have one muscle group uh, that functions at all. So like in particular, when you're on the horse and you're going to give an aid with your leg, you might be able to move your ankle a little bit and put you know your heel here or there. And for me, I have to make that movement from my knee uh, in, in order to activate anything in, in my lower leg. Um, and then in addition to that, it makes me struggle with symmetry on the horse. And I also only have about 50% of the normal range of motion in my pelvis, which we all know how, you know, much more challenging that that can make sitting the gate. So I've spent a lot of time actually finding ways to maybe not sit so classically, but sit in a way that allows me to follow the horse better, which interestingly has led to comments of people saying, well, actually, that make, that is making you sit better and ride better, even though in a way it's a less classical seat. So, you know, overall, it's a combination of the neurological condition creating weakness, muscle spasms that are out of my control, and, you know, reduced range of motion within some of the joints. So, you know, for riding the horse, the nice thing is that I can sit on the horse, I can look nice, but my movement while riding the horse and my strength can be significantly affected. Yeah, well, I have I have seen you ride and you are absolutely unbelievable. So you are oh, so you. good. So so tell us, <laughs> you know, fine. getting ready. We're gonna talk to Tokyo. I mean, obviously, with with the pandemic, it was a delayed a year. And oh, mm -hmm. so, how did you sort of get ready? And and tell us a little bit about Tokyo. That is its own interview, but you you know, tell us a little bit the high points of of going. Oh yeah, you know, Tokyo was was quite the quite the experience and. You know, in the beginning, when you hear about the delay, you go like, oh, no, like, what if this was our year? What if something happens to the horse? Or Like, you never know. There's all these, like, unknowns. So then uh, in the end, the delay of the year ended up helping us because with Solly, I was just, like, quite on the cusp of finding this whole other gear in his trot, you know, and getting him, you know, he's a big horse. He's 18 hands. And it's he's not naturally built so uphill. So, you know, it was really taking time to get him uh, thinking more that way himself and being able to maintain it through a test and not just at home. So in that perspective, it, it turned out really well. The thing that most people don't know about is I got kicked by a horse and broke my ankle one week before we left for Tokyo. And that was the hardest challenge of Tokyo because Initially, when we were riding in training camp in Aachen, it was like, I can't touch the horse with my leg. Like, I just, it's painful. It, I can't touch it. I can't bend it. It's not moving. I was just happy I could get my leg in the boot. But by the time we actually rode down Centerline, Tokyo is three weeks. And on the day I rode down Centerline, it was feeling 90% better. So that was really fortunate. But so that presented an interesting challenge. And, and of course, like, this is my first game. And being in the pandemic, it was totally different. So I didn't know what to expect, you know. But so for me, I think going in as a clean slate, 
the pandemic related things didn't really, they didn't change my experience because I hadn't had one before. So, you know, I was just so thankful to be there. We got to be in the village, which was, wow, incredible. I mean, just that in and of itself was an experience. And while maybe it would have been nice to be able to leave the village and go out on the town, the reality was we were there to compete. So, you know, we were at the barns or we were at the village and really we, we didn't need to be doing anything else. So I think that part, um, works out well so tell us about this horse that you competed in tokyo we can't ask you know we can't interview the horses but uh but maybe you can give us a (laughs) little Solly thinks that's quite a disappointment because he (laughs) is definitely the character of the two of us and he would love to do an interview and he would tell you everything he would tell you all the secrets uh so Solly. uh last year 14 15 now uh i've been riding him since he was seven uh, so we had quite a long partnership together. And I mean, uh, what is there to say about Sally? I mean, he's grown up so much and just really become, I don't even know how to describe it. Like the other half of my heart, like he's just, I couldn't imagine having done that with any other horse other than Sally because it was a goal that I felt like he and I had together and we had set out to do this. And when he got off the plane in Tokyo and I got to see him in the stall there, like it just felt right, you know, it, and it was actually interesting because when he arrived, you know, they didn't get to see the riders at first, just the horses were there in their grooms and they had said, you know, Oh, Solly, he's not quite right. You know, he's, he's kind of moping in the corner, but don't worry, we'll figure it out. And when we got to the barns and, and I cracked open the stall door and I said, Holy, and his <laughs> head blew up, he spun around and he came and he put his head right in my chest and just stayed there until someone was like, Kate, we have to go. And, and from that moment on, he was fine. I, I think he saw, I put him on a plane and sold him to Japan. Uh, and he was devastated. And so just that moment of being reunited, I mean, I just, I didn't want to let him go and he didn't want me to leave. And it was just like this most special moment. And it, we felt that way, like through the whole games of just like, wow, what an honor it is to be here with my buddy and my partner. And, you know, here we are on this big stage. It's, it's you can't even describe it really. So Kate, tell us a little bit about the competition in Tokyo for you guys. Yeah. So it started out with the individual competition which is also the qualifier for the freestyle so of course it's quite important because medals are on the line on day one uh so for us we had a really really good draw in the class we were going at the end you know there were a lot of predictions made like where will we be and you know there was a lot of like expectation that Sally and I would medal we were averaging in the like 73 74 even getting a 75 uh, leading into the competition, I think our world ranking might have been number two at the time. And so, you know, even the commentators, you watch the video, they're, they're like, okay, here we go. we got to watch this one. And it was a nice ride, and it ended in seventh. And, <sighs> you know, I have to be honest, I was devastated because I felt like I let everybody down. You know, like Aww. I went there to get a medal for my country and and I didn't. <laughs> so mm-hmm. sorry, this makes me emotional because it was quite yeah. A, I'm like, oh, you were a moment. <laughs> um, you know, and so we kind of had to recover from that and say, okay, okay, 
that happened. Um, thankfully, still qualified through to the freestyle with the top eight. So, so we were moving on, and that's good. And we had the team competition up next, and we had to look at it and say, okay, what can we do better? What do the judges want? You know, because this is important. We're going into the team competition. This is when it when it really counts, right? And so we ended up. It was split into two days. So Roxy and Becca had gone on the first day and they had to wait for the second day for uh, everyone to go and myself. And so, you know, interestingly, I didn't really feel the, the pressure. I wasn't nervous because I knew that nerves don't change anything. And, and saying I want it more, I'm already working as hard as I possibly can. So I really uh, somehow was able to let the pressure in that moment stay off and uh, and ride the best test we could. And, and, and thankfully, Thankfully, we were able to come out with the first Paralympic team medal for the U.S. So it was that was a massively joyous moment for us as a group and and as a country. Uh, And and you know, back on the bus, you know, they they really they like get you through with medal ceremony, yay, like all this, and then they're like, you got to get on the bus like right now because it's really late at night and there's not going to be any more buses. It was this whole like. (laughs) chaos and so we're back there like hugging our horses and being like we'll be back we love you and we gotta go get on the bus we haven't even changed yet and uh and and so and then you know we're sitting on the bus together going like can you believe this happened like you know in happy tears and and knowing that it was just like yeah this bronze was like the the barrier we had been trying to break through as a program and as a country and they're like we did it. We got the medal, you know? And so, so now, you know, here we are like leading into herning, turning around one year later. And like, I can tell you that this program is hungry and we want it so bad going into the world championships this year because we've had a taste and we want more. <laughs> and we want more for you guys. It's so cool because oh, Right. I mean, we're going into Denmark this, this summer, right? The world championships, this is huge. And I know you guys are hungry and working so hard. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, for me, I'm, I'm going into herning in a little bit different situation in Tokyo because now I have uh, two prospective mounts um, for the championship. Solly, of course, uh, who's doing really well. He actually had his first overall championship win this March at the CPDI here in Wellington. Um, so it, that was a good boost and it was a personal best overall scoring weekend. So, was, you know, I mean, how could I not be just delighted with that, that he's going so well, but then I also have uh, a second horse that I started riding in December and I've competed her now internationally twice, uh, first at the Doha CPDI in Qatar and then in Denmark, um, at Blue Horse. And so they're right now scoring pretty similar to each other. Maybe, maybe Quiana, which is, as the new mayor is, is, is trying to notch out Solly a little bit, but I, I feel like Solly is like, I'm not going down without a fight. So you <laughs> think about it, mom. <laughs> yeah. Hey, little sister. It's not <laughs> happening. So <Solly. laughs> yeah. So, you know, honestly, really like, I don't think I could go wrong with either horse. I mean, Solly, I have the, the, the experience with him. I know him and vice versa. And, and with Kliana, like she's just, she's, I mean, if you don't mind that I take a moment to tell you a little bit about her, but Please. she's like that horse that you dream of from your childhood. Like when you picture like 
we're going to go do a dressage test. Like, this is what I picture. It's harmony and balance. And it's, she makes it easy for me in a way that I have never felt with a horse before. Um, and so it's been quite an experience and she's making me a better rider. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the future with her. And I honestly, I I just hope I can do her justice, you know, because she's a mayor and she will tell everyone if I don't. (laughs) (laughs) Mayors wouldn't do that. Come on. No, no, actually she's, she's actually has a heart of gold. Like she really does. I mean, it's, I can't even explain it, but I, I think she's really something special. And of course, she has me completely wrapped around her little finger. So there's that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. So um, before we let you go, we'd like to just quickly hear about uh, your recent White House visit. Because I think that's, that's uh, well, I'm Canadian. So, I mean, but uh, I still think <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's, it, it, <laughs> it, it was out of this world. I mean... I'll be honest. I, I mean, I didn't know what to expect because they're like, okay, you know, you're going to go to the White House and, and you know, there's a meeting with the president. I'm like, wow, what an incredible honor. Uh, but then, you know, we got on the buses as a group, all of us together. We had, we had um, assigned buses. They split up our team, which I was like, no, don't split us oh. up. But that was just for logistical reasons of uh, which, which airport you were going to after you leave the White House. Um, and so, but, I got to meet some amazing people. I sat next to an Alpine skier from Beijing on the bus, Uh, you know, very good quality time as we waited on the buses for an hour and a half to get to the White House. But then when, when we arrive and, and they're like, okay, you're going through an entrance that is reserved for like heads of state and, you know, VIP visitors. And I was like, really? Wow. Like that's what an honor. And, and then as we, we walk up the driveway, which is lined with, American flags right and left and and I'm I'm thinking to myself, well, is this because we're Team USA or is this because this is the US White House or or both? <laughs> but it was it, <laughs> even just that was like so surreal and so special. Like it filled my heart with joy, you know, to be an American athlete and be like I represented my country uh and you know, just it's an incredible honor. And then as we were walking up there and the the uh the band is playing the Olympic March and you're just Aww. like wow this is this is really real and you walk through the front door and there's the presidential seal up there embossed in whatever that is and it's just gorgeous and there's another quartet in there playing beautiful music and we we had this self-guided tour through the White House through all the different rooms you know so you got to got to learn about the history of all the different sections of the White House and then okay maybe don't tell anyone this, but I took a napkin from the restroom that has the presidential seal on it. And it's actually sitting about three feet from me right now. I haven't decided what to do with it. Um, Respect. I would have, I would have, I would have done the same thing. (laughs) We paid for that. Don't worry. Yeah, um, Reese's purse would have been full. Reese's purse would have been full (laughs) of anything that she could fit in it. (laughs) Thanks, Phil. My inner dark secrets. (laughs) <laughs> just the napkin just the napkin that's all i took that's fair if there had been shampoo there. i maybe would have taken that i'm just saying that was that would have been maybe something i would have taken <laughs> yeah so after we after we um uh went through the white house we then had brunch in the rose garden and i mean 
I have to admit, I, I sat down in one of the chairs in the Rose Garden and, and my, my mom sent me a text. She's like, how's it going? I'm like, well, I'm eating in the Rose Garden. <laughs> and, you know, wow. I mean, is there really any other explanation of just like, like, wow, I mean, I've heard of the Rose Garden. I certainly didn't know what it looked like or expected to ever be sitting in it, uh, you know. And so from there, they then uh, ushered us in in our groups in order to uh, sit in these bleachers that were going to be directly behind the president as he addressed the crowd and television. And it was just, I mean, talk about being on the backside, literally, we're on the backside of the president. And I, that's inexplainable. Like, I've never even seen a president in real life, not to mention been the backstop for one of his speeches, you know, oh and, and to be the honored <laughs> guest. And so it was just, the whole day was just filled with so much pride and American joy. And, and, you know, this, this is the American dream. This is what we're all aiming for. And, and, you know, the opportunity to, to live in this country and be supported by these programs to be able to go and do this. It's just like, like, wow. All I can say is like, thank you. Like, really? Thank you. And so, you know, I was filled with humility as I'm sitting behind the president, just thinking, Wow, I, I'm just this little person, and and they're allowing me to to be here behind the president of the United States. So it was it was amazing. It was an incredible experience, surrounded by my peers, who honestly are probably much much better athletes than I. But wow, what an honor to even just be with them as well. Oh man, you're 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 such a cool person, and and I just I love hearing your stories. I've gotten chills so many times in this interview today, you know, because I've been watching your journey, and you know, just I, I that's why I was like, oh my gosh, we have got to get her on the show. She is so cool, and you know, oh, just hearing your you. stories. I know. And, and I mean, like I said, I, I've already been stalking you and a, a super fan <laughs> on Facebook. And I just can't wait to see how things go with both your horses going to Denmark. You know, fingers crossed everything works because um, it is it's fingers such an crossed. honor to see you. Yes. Absolutely. Fingers, toes, everything. And uh, can't yep, you just have to, pro- to promise you'll, you'll come back on and tell us what, what it's like in Denmark this summer? Because that would be really fun. Uh-huh. We'd really enjoy that. Thank you. I hope so. And I I would be honored if I get the opportunity. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing your amazing journey. And and we, we are super fans now and we can't wait to be a part of it um, and watch you. Uh, Thanks so much. Thank you. I really appreciate it. The podcast is North America's most listened to horse show inspired podcast with over 200 episodes hosted by me, Piper Clem, publisher of the Plaid Horse Magazine. Listen in to hear guests, which include Olympic equestrians, top hunter, jumper and equitation riders, trainers, vets, farriers, horse show managers and industry insiders discussing topics that matter. Horsemanship, collegiate riding, the state of our sport and horse show how to's for riders at every level. One episode each month is devoted to the mental side of your ride with nationally recognized mental skills coach and author, Tanya Johnson. You will also hear insider stories about how the Plaid Horse Magazine comes together every month. Well, tonight we are so happy to have back on our show, Ellie Brimmer. She is a rider for the U.S. Para Olympic team, and she just went on a wonderful trip and we wanted to chat with her. So welcome back to the show, Ellie. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, we um, always yeah, love so. having you. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I just came back from a horse shopping trip looking for my next 
uh, Paralympic CrossFit. We went to um, Denmark and Germany. So Ellie, just tell us a little bit about, just because um, I haven't been overseas in you know, three years. Tell us a little bit, so, what yeah, was the travel like? Yeah. This was my, you know, my first time to going over and, you know, going over, I, I'm like hyper paranoid. I want to make sure, you know, that everything's in place because you plan such a tight schedule that you don't want, um, you know, the whatever, if something falls through, it can really throw your whole week. So, um, you know, we, we weren't required to, but we got COVID tests beforehand. You know, we, uh, we were both like made sure we were up to date on our boosters, like, because different countries have like different requirements considering like how many days out from your last vaccine booster, you're still considered covered. And so um, we got all that done and they had just lifted like the masks on the plane. So, you know, those were optional, which was honestly, and so it was like, it was very quiet, like going out there, really the only time we were really required to, they checked our documents going in. And then in Denmark, everything was completely open. In Germany, it was kind of up to the individuals. So we had to wear like a mask in our hotel going down to breakfast, but everything else was completely open. So it's, it was kind of an odd time to go because a lot of the restrictions were kind of receding. So you had to kind of play it by ear to see who wanted what. Yeah. I mean, that that's good, good to know and, and good to be prepared for, you know, any, any of the situations, but uh, I, yeah, I think that it's like that here in Canada, you know, some, some places are, are staying to it and some, are not, but I think, you know, just have a mask in your pocket or something like that, just in case that, you know, it, 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 it's a requirement yeah. for where you're going for the day, basically. And I, and I may be jumping to the end, but I will say the one thing we did get tripped up on is, you know, we've been doing eight to 10 hour days in the car for six days and it completely slipped our minds to get a COVID test on the way back. And our flight out was at 6.30 a.m. And the COVID testing didn't open until eight. So we had to rebook our flights unfortunately on the way back but we still made it home at least on the same day and so you know it's one of those hiccups when you're just not used to kind of the new normal but uh fortunately we were able to manage everything okay oh fantastic so tell us a little bit about how you organized the trip and found the horses you were looking for just kind of give us a rundown on that all right well um first off you know i think it's very important to like have an honest conversation with your trainer, you know, where's your budget at? Like understanding, you know, the budget for the horse, the budget for the horse's travel and quarantine, you know, have an honest conversation on the commission, make sure everything is out in the open and upfront. Um, you know, that's just good horse practice. Anytime you're buying something, you want to make sure that everybody's on the same page, especially before you go such a long distance. And then, um, obviously, Andrea has worked in Denmark, so she had a lot of good contacts there. And I had a contact in Germany that I've used before who helped me find my horse, London Swing. And we'd also, last time I've been looking, she had some good horses as well. So I contacted her as well and kind of let her know, like, this is what we were looking for. And she's had experience finding pair of horses before. So I was comfortable with that. And you know, it's important to have somebody have a good relationship in those areas, um, especially, you know, when you're in a foreign country and you don't know the landscape quite as well. So I'm glad that we had 
you know, good relationships with people in both places. Yeah. I think that's really critical too, when you go shopping, you know, cause it is different and you have to be ready for that. You know, like you said, your routine, you, it, it's really, really busy. You know, you pr- basically land and start looking at horses and that's all you do. There's not a lot of time for sightseeing. There's not, that's kind of not the, the, why yeah. you're there. Like so, my non-horsey friends are like, oh, do you get to see anything? And I'm like, ah, yeah. no. No. <laughs> we get to mm-hmm. I saw the, the, the inside of barns and arenas. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's about it. In the car, yeah. and I'm always asleep in the car. I never drive, so I'm like, I'm just asleep oh. in the car. So, no, uh, or, I'm like an anxious or, driver here anyway. Maybe it's because I live in Florida, but um, <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm like, Andrea, you're the one who's driving. That's that's part of how you earn your commission because I would have a heart attack. <laughs> well, and, and and that's part of it too. Like, it is actually that is kind of important if you are driving around to have somebody that's confident of driving. Uh, for example, oh, wow. when I went to Ireland, um, it was not a horse trip, but I went with my husband and the stick was on the opposite side of the car. And I don't, I mean, I can drive a stick, but not great at it. So I never drove. He drove. I was sort of the navigator. So uh, I think that's actually an important comment is if, if you're not really comfortable driving, that needs to be worked out in advance because it can be quite scary yeah. um, and, and, and stressful. And don't you're try tired. to save money by going for a manual rental spring for the automatic. Yeah, 100%. That's actually really good. Yeah, that's good advice. And and also, um, you know, you can, like in Germany, you can drive fast on the Autobahn, but I guess not in certain areas because I I returned from a trip in Germany and got a, you know, got a ticket. So, oops. Yeah. There there goes another 60 bucks, right? But, uh, yeah, it wasn't. It's not super clear on the Autobahn rules, uh, you know, whatever. Anyways, it was a, it was one of those um, photo tickets, uh, you know, whatever. And then just uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I'm just laughing. Luckily. I haven't got anything in my mailbox yet, so <laughs> yeah. So Ali, wait. tell us a, a little bit about um, the horses that you went to try and and what you were yeah. looking for specifically. Okay, so I'm a grade three para, which is walk, trot with lateral work. You would kind of think on the surface, it won't be that hard to find that kind of horse. Um, But it really requires a horse, you know, with pre-St. George level engagement and to be able to do that and have enough forward engine where they don't get bored all the time with the million and a half transitions we have to do. But they're also also have a good brain along with the engine and you know para keeps on getting more and more competitive so you know we are also trying to find very high quality gates and unfortunately even though i don't need the canter when you have a good walk you tend to have a good canter and vice versa um so and you know my budget was good but it's not like blank check money like if a able-bodied person was looking for a grand prix international competitor I wasn't in that price range at all. So you kind of, it's a little tricky. So you have to kind of find just the right thing. Yeah. A a, a real, a real gem, you know, a gem. And and it has to be, like you said, it has to check a lot of, a lot more boxes being a pair horse than, than an able-bodied horse. But, um, you know, so how, how successful were you? Like, let's just ballpark Um, how many horses you saw, you know, um, how many that, yeah. That might might be what you want. Yeah, that kind of thing. So I'll give you the numbers. Like, um, including, like, I, I looked in, I live in Wellington. I looked here over the winter. We saw, like, a million and a half videos. We saw three in person here. 
and then 22 over in Europe. Two ended up being kind of, that would work, worked well enough that I would be willing to write a check for. Um, and there was a couple like that, you know, um, maybe it was like one, unfortunately I liked, but it was like way out of my price range. But and then there was a couple more that like two or three more that maybe I could make work if I were desperate to have a horse right this second. But, you know, I'm trying to play the long game because I've been in the sport long enough that, you know, unfortunately a parrot, sometimes you get a horse and it, it doesn't work for you. And so it's worth it, I think, to wait to find the right thing. And I, I think hopefully I did without jinxing myself too much. So, uh, but fingers crossed. Well, and, and what was it like to try the horses? How did you, how did you do that system? Um, well, first off, like I will say, if you're going to undertake something like this, it's, it's very important to have a really good relationship with your trainer. Cause you know, as a para Andrea does like a lot of the warm up work for me and we have a, I'm in a full training program. So, um, it has to be a horse that gets along with her as well as gets along with me. And so she actually, you know, cause she has a relationship with Helga Strand. Like we hit, we hit them first in Denmark and she was able to try, you know, a lot of the horses that first day. I didn't sit on any of the day we landed and she was able to kind of go, yes, no, yes. We can see these ones tomorrow. These ones don't show us again. And, you know, nobody gets offended, which, which is nice. Right. Um, That's the bonus of, of going to a sales barn, you know, like, it, yeah. like they've got lots of horses they're going to show you everything that they think is suitable and if you don't think it's suitable it's fine it's not somebody's personal you know baby that they've raised and trained and you know that kind of thing yeah and you and, don't have to you feel know, bad about it right i mean i think that's yeah. one thing when you try horses if you don't like the horse don't get on the horse it, it for me it's it's yeah. just respectful to the horse if anything the, yeah. the sales barns they don't care but if i even if it's a personal someone's horse you know if it's not for me then I want to save that horse's legs for someone else. So I, I'm a firm yeah. believer in that. But if it's just not the right horse, uh, that's okay. And in Europe, you really just don't have time. If you don't like the mm-hmm. horse, you need to move on because there are literally lots of horses in the sea over there. Yeah. And, and with the German broker I worked with, we did see a lot of private horses. And I will say, like, that's also where it's good to have your trainer because, you know, and you both have to have like a bit of a thick skin, but you have to have somebody there with you who's willing to kind of be the tough guy and say, you know, this isn't going to work for us because it can be a little bit like, you know, you feel a little bad. And so it's, you definitely need to have somebody in your corner who's willing to kind of, kind of say no when you need to. Absolutely. I love it. Well, so Ellie, you did find a horse for yourself. Well, um, fingers crossed. I'm hoping I'm not, I don't want to jinx myself too much, but we're still, we're still waiting on blood work and things like that. But it sounds like, um, we already did most of PPE and I will say, um, I don't want to jinx myself too much, but I will say the clinic that we worked with in Denmark was wonderful. Like gone are the days where you have, you got some like cloudy x-rays and just hoped and prayed for the best. Like we got really wonderful digital x-rays. They, you know, they used WhatsApp and they, they videotaped almost the entire pre-purchase exam, including like drawing the blood for the drug testing and showing them stealing it. It was so impressive. So, you know, I think, you know, if you're going to be going over and making a big purchase and you can't physically be there, 
kind of the vet clinics are stepping up. So it's nice to see some of that and have some of that peace of mind as well. Absolutely. Well, that is so fun. And in the pre-purchase it there, that is a whole different ballgame. That's a, that's a lot. Um, but like you said, that's part of being organized and having a plan yep. and all also, of that. And- like, um, I will say that's something that like, luckily I work for a veterinarian, um, Dr. Susan Oakley. And so I was able to talk with her and be like, okay, like, let me make sure that we get exactly all the views that we need. Because sometimes like, Europeans think that Americans are excessive with their x-rays. They may or may not be right, but then we can be clear that we're not missing any views that we wanted or anything like that. So it's important to, you know, communicate with your vet and make sure that what they think you need and what the European vets think you want is exactly the same. Well, and the other thing just with the American vets, we we do have that reputation, but our horses they have to go on a plane and it, and it's more, it's not just purchasing a horse. Like it, you know, it's going to yeah. be another 10,000, at least $10,000, depending on a mare or stallion, um, on yeah. top of the, of the horse. So, so we have yeah, a little bit different about current pricing, like about a single stall for a gelding is about 10. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, you know, so our vets are, are, are harder, but we put more into the horses at the end of the day. Um, so it's important that, that they do, that they do that. I would say it's important to communicate with your insurance as well. And you can add that kind of thing, at least like my insurance company, you can add the, the cost of the importation onto the insurance value, which is helpful. Yeah, exactly. I love it. Well, Ellie, I love your story. We can't wait to see your new partner. If everything goes well, we're going to send, send our, cheers your way. And we can't wait to see you as you develop this horse. Thank you so much. I'm looking forward to, um, to the debut, hopefully if all goes well. So absolutely fingers crossed. It is a process and you do have to know that, that it takes some time, some, um, but we're excited and, um, I'm going to be cheering you on. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you soon. Awesome. Thanks Ellie. Well, Phil, I am looking forward to using our beautiful new halters from Trust Design at the horse show. Or I will, when this week airs, I will have gone last week and I'm sure they're going to look really sharp at the horse show. And it's your turn this week to go to horse shows. Yeah. I mean, if people want to see the halters and, and the quality that gets put into these, um, you know, just come by, come, come find me, come, come by my stalls. I'm, you know, usually hanging out there. Uh, later in the day, you know, after, after the show or, or, you know, whatever you, you can find me, come, come see me at the show mm-hmm. and I will, uh, I will demonstrate the, the beautiful halters for you. And the other thing is that if you are going to order them, you know, we want to let you know that there is a coupon code, um, still going on at trust design. So just enter HRN into the place where you can, uh, before the checkout and it's 10% off. So that I think that's totally worth it. Absolutely. Well, thanks to Justin and the Trust Design team for all their support. Well, for this week's trainer tip of the week, we have international superstar and just the loveliest person, Anna Buffini, back on the show. Welcome back, Anna. Thank you so much. It's always great to talk to you. Well, we we have been picking your brain and having a great time on your interview, and you've been so kind to stay for this week's trainer tip. Can you tell us what is your tip for everyone? 
Yes. This one is about the canner zigzag, which is everybody's nemesis. I was just talking to a friend this morning (laughs) and she was like, can they take this out forever? And I would be like, I'm fine with that. Um, (laughs) So this tip actually comes from Gunther Seidel and Frederick Vondres, who's on the German elite team. So don't take it from me, take it from them. But um, really so much trouble that we have is because their back is tight. So gymnasticizing your horse is key. So in the canter, in the trot, in the walk, add in more leg yields and shoulder floors and haunches in than you think all the time and flex the horse the opposite way. So no matter which, which way you're going, flex it to the right and then keep going to the right and flex it to the left as you're going to the right over and over. Think about the neck being tight is the reason you're not getting your zigzag. And then over and over again, you can never do too many. Like you're on the rail, you leg yield to the quarter line and then you shoulder in on the quarter line and then you do a circle on the quarter line. Then you go to a haunches in. It can be monotonous. I know, but I promise you that it will get your horse bendy like a noodle and it's going to help you achieve that zigzag so much better. And it's, it's what I do with every single one of my horses and it never failed me. Yeah, I think that's good. It's just kind of maintaining a sense of balance, no matter where the head, neck, um, you know, it is, you know, er, early on in our training where, you know, we do, you know, we do leg yield and then we do half pass and we did, but, but you get to a point in which you have to kind of do something that's a little bit in between or that the horse has to be asked, you know, all kinds of different questions, you know, between two strides you know what i mean like you go two mm-hmm. two strides this way and then you change the flexion and then you go two strides the other way because uh, you know in the end if you want a top top competitive horse he's got to be on your aids and and flexible in all different ways and and you know just listening to the rider and 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 the rider has to really be able to sit in the middle and not fall one way or the other because if you know if you're trying to do this stuff but you're but the rider's all over the place i mean that that's not going to work either so you know, both of you have to be able to follow each other and, and change deflections and, and be doing all of the all of the lateral movements easily from, you know, from one to the next to the next. Exactly. Exactly. It's just they have to be so on your aid, especially the more you go up the levels. You have to have it right there, right then. And just you staying in the middle and making your horse on your aids and having access to whatever you need when you need it, really. Yeah. And what I love about this is, you know, truly when you first have your canter zigzag and you guys, I think it's for three, when you have your first mm-hmm. canter zig and zag, mm-hmm. you, you yeah. do it in the trot. Actually, I think it's four, two. Or maybe four, two. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it's you early. From the, wall, from the center line to the wall and then back out again. Mm-hmm. So think, it's yeah. not just the Grand Prix. I mean, the Grand Prix is wicked hard because you got to count. You got to go to the side, mm-hmm. you know, how many times, like it's really difficult, but the building blocks start early. And I think that's what's yeah. su- such a good reminder. It's not waiting till you're, you have an FEI horse. I mean, this is going to come mm-hmm. up in the lower levels. And, and so you need to start practicing that idea. I always say, I don't, I want a Grand Prix horse. Every horse I ride, I'm trying to get it to the highest level. So it's, that's, that's not going to be a new thing when you get to pre-St. George, when you think, oh, so I think it's just a great reminder of don't forget to supple your horses and to, these are hard questions. You know, it's hard for me to walk and chew gum, let alone, you know, ride and ask horses to do it, you know? So I think it's a great, 
it's a great tip and in something that I think it's super important and you, you can do it right in the walk, the canner, the trot, all to get them more supple in the back. Right, Anna? Yeah. Regardless of what level you or your horse is, everybody can do it and you're building your way up towards the Grand Prix. I love it. Well, Anna, great tip as always. So how can our listeners find you online? I am on Instagram a lot. I'm Anna underscore Buffini there. And then on Facebook, I'm Anna Buffini. And I just try and share as much of my journey and as much inspiration as I possibly can. So never hesitate to reach out if you need anything. I love it. Well, thank you so much, Anna. And we can't wait to keep watching you and have you back on the show soon. Thank you so much for having me again. You guys are awesome. Well, it's kind of a spoiler alert, but if you've been a friend of the show, uh, which we hope you've enjoyed our show, we are actually next month is our 10 year anniversary as, um, as a team together, Phil and I being part of the dressage radio show. Um, so we are really excited. We're actually, we don't really know what to do. So we really, we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate with all our listeners. So if you have any ideas and we have some great listeners and you guys are super involved, send us an email. You can send it to me, send it to Phil. Um, cause we want to celebrate with you guys and thank you for allowing us and, and having the privilege to come on every week and talk to you and be a part of your life and be a part of your equine journey. It's been quite a thrill. Phil and I are, are really trying to think about, you know, our favorite memories over the last 10 years, which I cannot believe it's 10 years. It, it blows my mind. I feel like, um, you know, time flies really when you're having fun. And um, we've just had some amazing experiences while doing the show. So uh, if you guys have a favorite interview or you want to hear from some guests or hear from some friends of ours or want to come on the show, please just drop us a little email. You can do it uh, Reese at horseradionetwork.com or Phil at horseradionetwork.com. And we would love that. So as always, you can find our show notes and links to today's guests on our website, dressageradio.com. Like us on Facebook, just search Dressage Radio Show. Follow us on Twitter at Horse Radio. My website is maplecrestfarmky.com and my email is reese at horseradionetwork.com. I think the best way to find me is probably through Facebook and my email is philip at horseradionetwork.com. I'd like to thank our sponsors for allowing us to put on a good show. That's Kentucky Performance Products and Trust Design. If you'd like to support our show and the Horse Radio Network, you can do that through the auditor program found at horseradionetwork.com. Everybody, keep your heels down and your shoulders back, and we will talk to you next week. 